What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. A slightly delayed one today, it's my fault. I have been working a little bit too hard this week, but we're back and I'm back with Kieran. Uh, we're reunited after quite a long time away. I've not been on the pod for quite a while, as we were just saying, just before we got started. And today we're back on the defensive scouting trail. Today we're talking about linebackers. My mate, how have you been? Good, mate. I'm, I'm excited to do this because I know you have like a, a severe love for watching linebacker tape. So it, it's good. It, it's interesting. And I, I actually don't mind it. So it, it's good to like, you know, I normally focus on DB. So it's good mm-hmm. to like watch some guys get hands on people. Yeah, it, I mean, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks, aren't we? We're getting together to do the DBs, the best best position to, to scout of all of them. But, you know, we have to do our pennants first and we have to do the bad one first. I mean, to be fair, I do like a few players that I've watched. I've got a nice top five that I'm quite happy with. There's a few guys in here that I think are going to be really good NFL players. I do have a rare first-round grade on my number one player as well. Probably no prizes for guessing who that is. I don't often give out first-round grades as well. So there's obviously a couple of players that I do like in here, but sifting through the muck down the bottom and the people I've not even got anywhere near my top 10, never mind my top five. Wow, that was a grind. But yeah, I'm pretty famous for not really liking linebacker tape. But uh, yeah, no, like I say, some good players in here. What, what do you reckon is this class from what you've seen? Uh, <laughs> well, it, there's more depth than last year because yeah, last year it sort of seemed like it was Parsons and then JOK and that was sort of like it. And then you were sort of like out of top tier options. And I mean, Zayvon Collins was good as well. And Phillips is a guy I stayed away from purely because of the concussions and stuff. I know he's more of an edge guy, but it, yeah, I just feel there's a lot more consistency and depth with this class rather than it being two standouts and then everyone else is just mediocre. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd tend to agree with that. There's, like I say, there's definitely a couple of guys at the top of my list here that I do really, really like. How about then? How about you just kick off then and talk to us about your number five linebacker for the 22 draft? I'm going to try not to butcher his name because it's a really hard name to pronounce. You might have the same um, guy as me then, because <laughs> I've got someone like that. I looked Ed- at the pronunciation for it. Edifuan Olafoshio. Okay. Uh, from Washington. Not too uh, bad, yeah. <laughs> not I the same guy as me, but yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's such a hard pronunciation to do. Um, but he's a walk-on, um, interesting enough, which mm. I found out when researching him. Absolute beast. Um, and the same thing I liked about him is the same thing I liked about his teammate, Elijah Molden. He is very quick to diagnose plays. He has very, very um, high football IQ. And I don't want to say instinctual because there are times where he misses or times where he can leave his eyes in the backfield. But but the way he goes in and seals gaps and reads uh, how the blocking assignments are being uh ran by the offensive line very very capable linebacker and I purely have him in the number five spot because his progression from walk-on to you know top 10 linebacker in the country by most people's estimations and in my estimation top five it's off the charts and, and the thing we really look for in guys going into the NFL is are they coachable can they progress can they make that step to the next level this was a, this was a case that was made for Lamar Jackson and oh look every year how much is passing uh, has increased at Louisville and then onto the NFL level. So I think getting a guy like this who is raw but still very, very coachable, he 
he's a little bit small, like six foot two thirty, which yeah. I know you might want a little bit more weight or height for a linebacker, but the athleticism he runs with is absolutely phenomenal. So I think putting him at the number five spot might be a push for some people, but from what I've seen on tape, is this kid's an absolute beast. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with a lot of that. I mean, yeah, one thing that jumps off the page, um, although maybe not so much these days, because you are getting these smaller defensive prospects. It's all about getting speed on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, he is a super, super small prospect, six foot. You maybe want a couple of inches in height, maybe you know, five, ten more pounds of weight. So he's weighing about 230, I've got in front of me. The reason why I've not got him in my top five, and I definitely take all the, the pros that you've, you've kind of come up with there, is I bang on about this all the time, but it's sample size. He's not really played a great deal. You know, he's redshirt junior coming into this year. Played uh, nine games in his redshirt freshman season on the four. Obviously not his fault, but because of the Pac-12 schedule, only played four games last year. And because of that, he's lacking a bit of like, you know, he's still a bit raw. He's lacking a bit of know-how and things like that. He's not shown the most amount of production. But this year seems to be the one where if he really takes off, then yeah, he'll be one that come, I don't know, February, March time, when we're really ramping up the draft, everyone will be talking about him because this is guy, he plays in a great defense as well. And it's going to be one where it's not, I mean, take one guy who you mentioned before, Zayvon Collins, obviously playing on Tulsa last year. You know, he's not playing on a great defense. He's kind of like the star of the defense. I'm not going to say his name, but he's going to be a, amongst a really good defense where we're all three levels is going to be playmakers and he's going to be elevated by that, by those around him. And he'll, you know, often jump off the page and he gets kind of plus points for being, you know, jumping off the page on a good defence as well. So, yeah, no, I, I like it. I like that. It's a bit of a projection for me, but I can see why you've gone for it. You know me, I'm I'm, I'm sometimes a bit bit of a hot take machine, but I, <laughs> I like to give, I like to give shine to players that aren't necessarily the big ticket guys or the blue chip prospects. I think it's nice to take a look at these guys <laughs> That's not how it goes in the NFL. Hmm. Uh, not every guy who was a blue chip five-star recruit ends up becoming an absolute beast at the NFL level. If, if anything, it's the opposite. It's the guys who are the three and four stars who worked their asses off. And in this case, a walk-on who's worked his ass off to become the best. That's it. That's it. And, you know, not many two-star athletes make it to the NFL. And obviously, he probably will do by looks things, you know, whether it'll be this year that it comes out or, you know, still got another year of eligibility left as well. So, you know, whether he comes out this year or next, he's probably going to make it to NFL or injury permitting. And then it's what his projection is and how mm. the NIL stuff's go. Because I, I, I would always say, as even as like if I was the coach of a program, I would never ever, if they were it, you know, projected to draft in the first three to four rounds, I would never tell a player to stay for their senior season no. ever. No. Um, it's kind of the opposite of how they get the, the draftable grades, don't they, from the, the draft board, uh, advisory board. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you are going to get drafted, especially like you say, if you want the money and you want to kind of get there, it's kind of that one of those things, isn't it, where it does kind of split opinion a lot of the time. But, you know, you need to get into the league uh, to kind of become better as well sometimes. So, yeah, like you say, I'm sure we'll see him in the league um, you know, at some point in the near future. And he's going to have a great season. My looks things as Washington are going to be pretty good in the Pac-12 again, as per usual. So over to me, my, my uh, fifth linebacker is, well, it's kind of a bit of a weird one, really, because it's a player that I really like and really liked last year, but he might not play this year. And it's uh, Polia Naioteote. He played for USC last year. He transferred to Ohio State. And they've still not decided whether he can actually play this year or not. I think Ryan Day was uh, getting a bit annoyed in a press conference not too long ago. The um, eligibility I, stuff they throw around is just, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason. 
Exactly. And, you know, how many weeks are we out from the season now? Is it three weeks? Two weeks? I think we've got well, three weekends, uh, haven't we? It's like two weeks away. Well, LSU's beaten USC in, what, 20, <laughs> 22 days? So okay, so we've got, like, far we got three weeks, best part two to three weeks, and we're still unsure whether he's going to play. You know, and if I have to caveat that, that with exactly that, because if he doesn't play, obviously he's probably not going to be the number one, number five uh, linebacker in the country. But, you know, he's a really good player. And I think coming over from USC to Ohio State, you know, he's going to play for two really big schools, but it is a bit of an upgrade, obviously. And, you know, Ohio State is going to be really good again defensively. USC, to be fair, you know, they're going to be a really good team in the Pac-12 this year. So it's kind of winning either way. Well, he's obviously made his decision now to move over to Ohio State. And, you know, when he plays there, he would be good nonetheless. Let me, let me get into him as a player then. So really strong downhill, really forceful, making a lot of meaningful tackles. And to be fair, I think that the energy he gives also is like a massive tick in the box as well. I think he empowers those around him with how he hypes like teammates up and kind of always goes over there. He's always the, the first one in there when his teammate makes a play to hype him up, give him a tap on the shoulder or whatever, you know, tap on the helmet and celebrate with them about it. I think he plays a good discipline, sets the edge when, when required, even though he's a middle linebacker, you know, if the, the kind of counter player or anything like that, he doesn't get drawn into the ball and he, he doesn't play selfishly. He fills the gaps and fills the holes when required. Um, I wouldn't call him a sideline to sideline player, which probably is one of the things that limits him and probably keeps him at number five rather than um, any higher up the board. But, he is great coming downhill. So as a north-south player and kind of shooting gaps, things like that, I do think he's a, he's a really strong contender. So you're probably looking at a two-down lineman, you know, and you've probably, uh, two-down lineman, two-down linebacker, sorry. Um, but he can blitz as well. He's got to generate, he can generate power and he, you know, he can get to the quarterback every now and then as well. So um, I do think he's a pretty rounded player um, in terms of playing the run game. The, the, the deficiencies come in the passing game when he, he kind of gets done by play action quite a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, he's not fantastic in coverage. I think his uh, tackling technique could do with some some, t- some work as well because he does have some lunges in there. You know, he, he kind of wants to put his arm out there instead of a shoulder through someone a little bit. You know, and if I... Well, guys if I, with the same... Sorry, mate, come on. So guys with the same criticism are guys like Devin White coming into his, his final year. Mm. Um, mm. Everything you mention is, is coachable stuff. Like, yeah. it's all fundamentals. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, you know, it's a ceiling, isn't it? Again, it's a ceiling. And if he does get to go on the field this year, which I hope he does, because obviously I don't want him to, to miss a year, I do think that, that it's all there for him if he can improve in, in coverage. But do you know what? I mean, there's been plenty of players who've made decent careers of being a two-down run stuffer in the league. And I think he, he can do that quite easily. You know, he's two, six foot two, 250. So, you know, if we're looking at what I just said, um, about Elifush, Fos- no, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> Elifushio uh, from Washington, the guy who you, earlier. <laughs> you know, that's the sort of build that I was kind of saying. This is what we need. You know, two fifty six two, perfect linebacker build. Um, so yeah, I'd be looking to see. Um, you know how he comes out. Like I said before, he's a real um, prospect that's come from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Uh, who's five star, so he's got the pedigree to play at Ohio State. And um, yeah, if he does get in the field, he should show out. It's a good school too, Bishop Gorman. Mm, a lot yeah, of talent coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Moving up the list then, number four for yourself. I'm, I'm going to see if you you uh, know the name, if I if I tell you that he was last year's leading tackler in college football. Mm, I don't know. I'm not a big Z- stats guy, but you know that. Zacoby McLean out of Auburn. Okay. Uh, 113 total tackles last year. 
which is That's ridiculous. <laughs> averaged, on a shortened season as well. He averaged 10.3 tackles per game, which is machine. Just abs- absolutely disgusting. He was actually wasn't a finalist for the Buckus Award, though, which I thought was weird because that's you know the best linebacker yeah. in the country. But apparently, having the most tackles and just absolutely being a stud doesn't really make it for you. Um, people probably know him um, if you threw a highlight guy from his hundred yard pick six in twenty nineteen Iron Bowl uh, against Alabama, where. Yeah, Obama had a bad season. LSU sent him on a, on a spiral. But ever since then, he's just been continuing to dominate in, in that middle of the field. He's an absolute stud. He hits hard. My biggest concern is a speed thing. Can he cover? Can he cover? Because we've seen, like, obviously he can cover with the 100-jab pick six. He's, he's got that downhill speed. But the thing I'm worried about is side-to-side speed. The way he transitions, the way he steps up to the next gear on a second level is not not elite by any means, but the thing I like, and I just spoke about this in the last play of most important things, especially for defensive players is the fundamentals. Can you do the basics and can you do the basics really, really well? The, the thing that you learn at any position like this, like linebacker, offensive line, defensive line, it's all about how good are your fundamentals? Can you do your fundamentals perfect? And in, in terms of fundamentals, he's absolutely fantastic. The only thing I would say, work on, watch your eyes a little bit, and then make, I don't want to say lose weight, maybe just get a bit faster side-to-side um, <laughs> uh, side speed, which is another thing that can be worked on. But just as a linebacker, I've, I've got to put him at number four because there's also a guy by the name of Owen Papo, from Auburn, who is fantastic as well, but I think just Sokobi is is that much better. And it was literally between these two uh, to to put on the list here, just because I didn't want to put a, a school in twice. But I just think he he's fantastic. He, he's a great tackler, and he's willing to hit people really, really fucking hard. He laid some people out last year, so it'd be great to see him. Uh, a team like New York, I think, some, uh, somebody who could use them as well. Somebody who's just going to hit people hard, smack them in the mouth and play hard football. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely strikes me as that sort of player. You know, like you say, you don't rack up 113 tackles, you know, for, from trying to win games. Ball. Yeah, exactly, in a shortened season. So it's kind of a ridiculous number, really. You know, you'd be looking at that as a, a, a really top echelon number in a normal season, wouldn't you, really? Does a bit of a question for you because obviously he's a bit of a small linebacker in terms of six foot two, ten to eleven. I've got it here. That change of direction for a guy that's small is that a massive worry though? Because it's obviously not a six. I mean, foot five four foot linebacker. ten. <laughs> At six ten. Oh, did I six ten? Sorry, I I don't know what I was talking about. Six foot is probably what I meant to say. Six foot two ten. I was probably mixing the whole thing up. But yeah, yeah, six foot two ten. Like it, it, direction it, a little bit better. That's high, right? It, it's what I said with uh, previous player. Like the height isn't ideal, mm-hmm. but once again, the side to side speed is something you can build up because that's all hips. That's all hips and legs. So I don't mm-hmm. think, I just don't think he has it in the hips and legs uh, right now. But you watch when he tackles; he's just very physically strong. Mm-hmm. So I think if he can just work on getting the technique down to move side to side and push himself out a bit further, then he'll he'll be a great addition. Uh, probably a second round pick. I mean, if you if you can get him working on that side to side thing, he's easily a day two pick. Mm. Interesting. So you mentioned earlier on when we kind of preparing for this and kind of raining to get together today. You're like, oh, I think we're going to have really similar top fives. So far, we've got no one similar, which is kind of interesting. 
<laughs> we'll see I'm who sure, the next guy is. I'm sure it will will get a bit more similar at the top because I think, like we said before, there is some sort of people who are a bit of a class part. But um, yeah, I'm going to go to Texas for my number four. It's Demarvian Overshown, who was a safety, um, really, really lengthy safety, six foot four, two seventeen, four star prospect coming into Texas. Played safety for the last couple of years, but now he's going to be playing will linebacker. He did he did a little bit of it part time last year, and the coaches obviously saw. Uh, well, last year, enough of him to say that they can do this. Now they've got a new coach and staff and, um, you know, and he's going to do it again this year. You know, that length really shows up. And I think we maybe got a little bit of a type um, that might be a little bit different for the two of us. Obviously, you've named a couple of smaller guys and now I'm going to name a lot of the big guys <laughs> who are, are a little bit lengthy. Um, yeah, really super. Was he 6'4"? 6'4", 217 is what Texas has listed, listed his ass. So he's pretty, he's pretty big, especially when and you know, he uses it well. You know, you get these really big guys. Like I was watching, uh, you know, Kuni Deng from Cal. He's six foot six, two two fifty or something like that, and he doesn't use his length at all. He lets people get into his chest. He lets when blockers plant to second level, he just gets deleted from the game. I didn't see any of that with Overshawn at all, and he's got the versatility to play not only as a you know linebacker. Obviously, he's good in coverage. Before you know, it goes without saying almost because he's played safety for so long. And I think that adds great value moving forward. Maybe that's why I've got a little bit of this type because I'm thinking, you know, with a really forward-thinking defensive coordinator, this is the sort of linebacker that we're after. I'm not going to compare him to Isaiah Simmons. I'm not going to go down that road. But he's got great eyes. Um, kind of goes about saying, like I said before, that he's got great in coverage. He's a really good run defender as well. You know, you think, oh, he's you know, played safety. He's a really big guy, really lengthy guy. He's maybe a bit lanky and skinny. And maybe he'll get washed when other guys come up to him. He doesn't. He doesn't let people get into him. Uh, really high effort player. And he can stack and shed really easily again. Um, and, you know, I think once he gets another season under his belt doing this role full time and, you know, converting to linebacker full time, the ceiling is so, so high. And some defensive coordinator will absolutely love him. So I think, you know, second round back end of the first draft wise, I don't have him graded that highly, but I think, you know, we're, we're moving into that sort of conversation if he has a good season. Will you remember his pick um, in the Alamo Bowl against Colorado? Mm-hmm. This, this, we'll just couple this because he was my number three. Um, okay, cool. Absolute freak. His range is ridiculous. And yeah. you see in that interception, he really stretched out to get that ball. And I think is something maybe certain, maybe the NFL level is different, but college quarterbacks aren't really conscious of, holy shit, that dude is that big, but he can, <laughs> he can reach out and make that play. I think you can see the quarterback looked a little bit shocked. Um, but yeah, he broke, he, he had two, interceptions last year five pass breakups so you can really show that he, he played at safety because he's used to attacking the ball in the air and but he makes tackles for losses as well and the only physical limitations I have on him is his size and I don't mean his height I mean his weight at that height mm-hmm. because he is going to be have a little less timber on him given that he's that tall so I think yeah. weight room weight room film room <laughs> that's all he needs to do uh to make himself like I said day two like you said sorry day two guy he's incredibly talented and nobody wants to compare anyone to Isaiah Simmons because he is an absolute freak mm-hmm. who's being underutilized by an absolutely terrible coach in Cliff Kingsbury but yeah he, he he's got all the skills to be an NFL um, linebacker can he string it all together but we are seeing now guys with this build and this size are former safeties and now the linebacker position is changing. It requires more coverage play. It requires you to have a head for the ball, get your head around quicker. So I think this is the 
the gonna the new wave of like the prototype for guys to be the linebacker position it started with isaiah simmons uh Jeme- jeremiah uwusu koromoa like it's just we are seeing that come along and i think more and more as years come on we're gonna see guys sneak into the first round discussion at linebacker who are six two six three six four two hundred and twenty pounds so yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, I'll I'll kind of go on. Um, so I'll go. I'll kind of switch around. I'll name my third guy. My third guy is another lengthy, lengthy guy, but he's obviously on that bit of a heavier side. And this is kind of where we get into this kind of upper echelon guy because you're talking about Overshown as this guy who, like you say, does need to go into the weight room, does need to kind of maybe learn the position a little bit more. Uh, my number three guy is Brandon Smith from Penn State. He's six foot three. He's just a touch under two forty. Five star, number one linebacker in the 2018 class. I mentioned him on our Big Ten uh, conference preview that I did with Andy a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned that I want him to kind of step out of the shadow of Michael Parsons and become that leader on the Penn State defence because they should have a pretty good defence, a pretty good team again going forward before. He's never played defensive back, but he is like, you know, he's a really um, lengthy guy again. He really, again, uses that length. But he's got fantastic range and explosiveness again. I think he's got great read and react skills. There's a guy that you can use in coverage because of his athletic ability and because of his length. Like you say, it makes the quarterback think twice, doesn't it? When you see a guy with his hands in the air and he really is reaching out and he's as tall as your wide receiver you're throwing at and probably just about as heavy as well. And he's got the movement skills to to, to boot. I really think that, you know, we talked about insane tackle numbers, you know, and I think Brandon Smith could get up towards those because he's going to be playing as that run and chase will despite his size. And he's just going to be really, really productive in the Big Ten. And I think he's going to get a hell of a lot of tackles, you know, considering how much the teams run up there in that conference. Yeah, it, it, it it's, I think, like I said, as, as it goes on, it's rare to find players that are getting heavier and heavier at the linebacker position. But the, the thing that is now emphasised is the coverage and do you have the IQ? I think yeah. a lot a lot of people realise Luke Keekley, although he was a big guy, his brain was his biggest asset and Absolutely. obviously a reason why he retired early. He's a very smart guy. So when you see a player who has that instinctual sort of nose for the ball, it, it's absolutely exceptional. And he'll do better than Michael Parsons as long as he isn't a fucking psychopath. Because Michael Parsons is, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the first episode of Hard Knocks yet. Yeah, yeah, got my hands on it. <laughs> Just walking around headbutting people yeah. and punching himself in the face. <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be, yeah, don't be that. And I think you'll be fine. And the leadership thing was something you mentioned. That is so important uh, for mm. the linebacker position. That is so so important because you have to have your head screwed on, and especially if you're, if you're given you know your headset and your helmet Mm. you need to be calling plays correctly you need to be switched on at all times and the guys need to respect you you need to say everything with authority so people are listening to you and you know that when you talk people listen because sometimes you don't have if if they're running hurry up uh the offense is running hurry up and you need to say hey get a play in very very quick Mm. you need to have you need to be a guy who when you speak they listen so nobody misses anything. Uh, and I think that would be really important if he can show that at Penn State this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's only a junior. I think he's a true junior. So not the most experienced guy in the world. And it's usually is something I shy away from, as I mentioned before. But I just thought talent is just so, so much there that I couldn't ignore it. You know, like I said before, five-star number one linebacker in the class. You can see the pedigrees there, you know, despite the lack of sample size. I'm willing to overlook it for a guy that's talented. Yeah, Sample size is huge for us, but obviously sometimes you see some. There are guys who jump, yeah, 
with that with their look look I mean, this is a, might be a bad example because of how he flamed out after a couple of decent seasons but Matt Castle mm-hmm. never played a game at college as far as I know or maybe played one and then made it to the NFL and went 11 and five um, with the New England Patriots as a starter so you know sometimes you just see enough uh, and I think he's probably one of those players and it's yeah. Penn State they just breed absolutely crazy linebackers yeah yeah that's it it's a bit of a linebacker factory in some senses for some schools isn't it because you know you've got such a long lineage of, of proven players that have come out of that system and things like that so uh, and we'll, we'll definitely get onto that sort of thing in a moment but before that yeah here's what you number two um I don't want to be a homer pick because he hasn't played <laughs> for LSU yet. Um, Mike Jones Jr. He played sort of that overhang safety role at Clemson, but you know, six foot two twenty, it's a big, compact guy. Um, but he's going to play a traditional linebacker role at LSU. What we know from him at Clemson is, you know, he made a great uh, interception in the playoffs against Ohio State, which is great. I love to see Ohio State in pain. Um, (laughs) but the the thing I like, uh, which his size makes up for, and you know, you can bring out the memes about the way I talk about hips, but he has smooth hips, the way he transitions up to the second level, he can mirror this is crazy as well for considering he's going to be a linebacker. The way he pattern matches from the bottom to the top of a route is absolutely fantastic. We've seen him track down receivers in the open field, running backs when they're running routes. He's absolutely ridiculous. He only allowed nine catches, uh, on 13 targets for 47 yards, which means he's only really getting beat really, really short. Mm. Um, obviously, he can he's live a, with that. Yeah. And he's out of IMG Academy. So, another powerhouse. <laughs> but the problem, the problem, and this is why it's not a massive problem because, like I said, we see it with Devin White, who is on track to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL. He missed 13 tackles on 35 attempts, which is not good. And the problem is, again, he's just tackling too high, which means if a guy's already got momentum or he's got those churning legs, you're just going to get shaken off. Once again, that's a fundamentals thing. We've seen at LSU, they preach defensive fundamentals above everything else. Now Bo Pelini's gone. They (laughs) They really excel at teaching players these fundamentals that's why LSU is so good defensively they they practice sound fundamentals and that's what's going to improve him and I think probably a day two maybe day three guy um if he continues on the trajectory he had but very easily could sneak into the the end of the first round if he has a standout season as a linebacker Uh, and with the talent around him he's probably going to be one of the best guys on the defense obviously besides you know, Derek Stingley, he's going to be playing offense as well, but he's going to be one of those big names there. So I think if we can see him produce this season, he he's going to be an absolute animal. I have to confess, I he was on my watch list, but I didn't quite get to him. Um, but, you know, you've given him a real seal of approval there. Is it the sort of player that you'll be kind of hanging your hat on and kind of hanging your hopes on almost on the LSU side of the box? Obviously, LSU known for defense and things like that. Is he going to be like one of the stars of the show, do you think, on that side of the ball? Uh, so we've got guys like Ali Gay, uh-huh. who, who's going to be coming off the edge, uh, but also can play that linebacker role a little bit. And he got Stingley, Flot, uh, Stevens, even just guys who are very, very good. But him in that middle of the field, he's really going to steal the show, I think, if he plays up to the potential he has. And because he has that, um, 
overhang safety sort of experience. We're going to see probably more coverage from him. Yeah. Um, but if they can work on his tackling, he's going to lay down the boom on some people. And I, I can't wait to see him. Hopefully he plays week one. And if we see him week one against UCLA, oh my God, he is going to create havoc. Mm. Um, but it's just one of those players who he was obviously a great recruit coming out of IMG and he played at such a high level for Clemson. Now he's come over to the Superior Tiger squad and we're just going to see him. <laughs> had to get it in there. <laughs> yeah, had to. Um, you see the hat I'm wearing, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, we, I, just, I just hope he can take his game to the next level because if he does, he can be one of the stars of this LSU team. And if he is, then that you know draft stock just goes through the roof, doesn't it? You know, so. Yeah, he's, like, he's clearly got the pedigree. IMG Academy, Clemson... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now to LSU, which is a slightly more defensive-minded school than Clemson. It's not shot Clemson. They're a fantastic school. They've yeah, just got absolutely. massive, explosive offense. Um, yeah, I just think this is a perfect move for him. And if he can if he can play even half as good as he did at Clemson, he's going to be great. And if he can get that tackling down, if he can reduce those missed tackles, problem, problem. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, moving into my number two, it's probably... Um... Not as flashy of a player, for sure. Definitely doesn't go to as flashy of a school. And I've got to say, as much as Brandon Smith was one player that I really enjoyed watching, you know, my number three guy, and there isn't much in between my number one, uh, sorry, number three and number two, and it's Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin. Hey, man, this guy can play. And, you know, he's six foot two, 232. So, you know, we're looking on a little bit of the smaller side, but, you know, he can move with it as well. And he's got really good athleticism. Um, you know, and again, it's going to be in that Big Ten sort of arena, so it's going to be lots of running and things like that. But do you know what? This guy can cover as well, and this guy's got great hands. He got three picks and three pass deflections uh, in 2019, and one of those was in the Rose Bowl game against Justin Herbert. So, you know, if you can pick off Justin Herbert, then you can play football, right? <laughs> um, he also got five and a half sacks and nine tackles for loss. And he's just maybe not of... Oregon, Justin Herbert. Yeah, just well, to be fair, you know, I was one. I was one person who was a fan. I thought it was all about Marcus Arroyo and how he badly ran the offense and things like that. Badly designed it. What, well. Was it twenty eight percent screenplays? That was fun. Yeah, exactly. For a yeah, guy who like can the... literally murk it sixty <laughs> yards without yeah. moving his feet. He's like the Bo Pelini for the Oregon offense. You know, this guy who can't kind of do his <laughs> Just job. Just the guy who caused you pain week in, week well, that's out. That's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, Jack Sanborn, four-star prospect. You know, he's, like I say, got the pedigree again. But went to Wisconsin, like I say, really good athleticism, great eyes and great stopping power as well. You know, it's one of those things, I guess, we're kind of going back to one of the guys you were kind of talking about earlier on, that, you know, if they're a tick late, it's often about instincts. But I think Jack Sanborn's got the instincts to stick with players and he knows where the players kind of go in. He reminds me of a really intelligent player that plays kind of beyond his years, really. And I feel like, you know, mixing in his coverage ability and some of these players, you know, he's kind of jumping up as though he's snagging like a basketball rebound and snatching it out of the air. You know, the quarterbacks aren't kind of throwing it to him. He's going up and getting it. Um, you know, that is, again, just going to mix in with a modern NFL linebacker and a modern NFL um, defensive coordinator in the modern NFL defense, they're going to be able to move him around. He's going to play the will for uh, sorry, the Mike, sorry for Wisconsin, but you know, he's on that smaller side, so he could play will in the NFL and he could go around and he could move and things like that. And he could be an absolute fantastic linebacker. And like I say, I really rated Brandon Smith, and then I watched Jack Sanborn, I put him into the uh, kind of grading scale that I have, and I was like, oh my god, it's kind of just above. So I kind of like them the same, but um, I was kind of surprised, I wasn't expecting as 
Um, refined a player coming out of Wisconsin because, like I say, it's not the most glamorous of schools and things like that on the defensive side of the ball. But you know they all do the jobs, and he's probably going to be the star of the show for the Badgers in the in the fall or the autumn, as we would say over here. Yeah, and that's a team that produces hard hitting dudes. Yeah, blue collar uh, guys, right? I mean, the thing I hate, and I said this to Keith yesterday, <laughs> that, that blue collar guy thing just means white guy. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly what we've got. Like, if you talk about Julian Edelman, Trent Taylor, Wes Welker, all you hear is he's a blue collar guy. He's a lunch pail <laughs> dude. Yeah, he's just fucking white and a little bit small. Um, <laughs> that being said, Trent Taylor made the most impressive catch of Bengals camp so far in Paul Brown Stadium. He caught a, he's running a little rub route and he caught it one handed, two step dive into the end zone with a one hand, kept the ball down the whole time. I was like, beast. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you, but you get these guys who their work ethic is ridiculous and they know that they might not have the physical traits that they need to be elite at this level, but their work ethic and, and the way they play the game can put them at that top level despite them not being the biggest, the fastest or the strongest. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to be fair, like I say, he is pretty decently athletic, but he is very white and very Wisconsin. So, yeah, he definitely kind of pales into that uh, kind of stereotype that you've got there. No but, pun intended with the pale there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Tim would be proud. Tim would be proud. <laughs> Look, mate, we've, we've not had one match as of yet. So, we've got it all on the number one guy. So, what do you want to do? Do you want to, we'll count down to three and then you say the name of the guy, right? Okay. Okay. So, one, two, Three, Christian Harris. Christian Harris. Yeah, oh, you were a bit delayed on me there, but yeah, we got it right. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Talk, talk to us about Christian Harris, because this guy's a beast. This guy, I love to love the tape off. Once again, a guy who possesses the, the traits we're looking for in this new breed yeah. of linebackers. Now, he is a little bit heavier than some of the other modern guys we've mentioned, 230-plus pounds. He is a problem. Yeah. yeah. On blitz plays as well. Jesus fucking Christ. 31 pressures on 116 pass rushing snaps doesn't sound like a lot, but when you watch him play, he's a problem. He annihilates running backs. He has crazy range. It seems like he has go-go gadget extension arms with the way he just grabs people's hips and wraps them up. And his movement, the way he transitions, the way he spins his hips around, his he gets his legs around, he gets his head, shoulders, everything's set in such perfect motion that he can run man coverage just as well as some corners Absolutely. on that Alabama team and some of the safeties on that Alabama team. Uh, and this is why Alabama guys are always heads and shoulders above for me is because Nick Saban, the defensive looks that those guys run are NFL level defensive looks. I think yeah. even some... You know, even the great Joe Burrow uh, looked confused at times playing that Alabama defense because of the disguises and the, the looks and all the different things they run out on the field. So his IQ is incredibly, incredibly high, which means when he gets to the NFL, he's going to, you know, he's going to eat that playbook up. He's going to take that knowledge in. He's going to be a ready to go day one guy, a guy who I think would fit perfectly uh, on a team like the Chargers or the Bengals, who have a good defense. They just need that extra punch in the middle of the field who's going to stop running backs dead in their tracks and going to be able to lock down bigger tight ends and bigger wide receivers. Mm. And Yeah, I think he's that perfect guy. The only problem I've seen is he's not great in zone. He can be looked off by a quarterback or manipulated by double moves. 
But besides that, he is absolute fire prospect. And if he doesn't go day one, an NFL team is going to be seriously kicking themselves if they try and wait it out to the second and he's off the board because he is an absolute stud. I mean, I, I've given him a first round grade just you now that's before the next season. So it's only going to probably go up, you know, injury permitting or disastrous season permitting. I mean, this guy came in, played for Alabama 12 games, got seven and a half tackles for loss. You know, we're looking at a guy who's been productive since day one in Alabama. You know, we're talking about a school, as we mentioned before, that produces linebackers at a rate of knots. You know what I mean? He's the next one off the production line. He went ahead last year, played 13 games, seven tackles for loss, but also added four and a half sacks as well, and an interception. So he's effectively. The only thing Bama the game. doesn't produce at this point is like elite level quarterbacks. And that's not like a <laughs> shot at Till yeah. or a Mac because they might break the mold. But if you look at the talent they put out, they put out top-level talent mm. at every single fucking position besides quarterback, kicker, and punter <laughs> every single year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, for sure. That is definitely true. So, yeah, like I say, Chris and Harris affects the game in multiple ways. And that's what you want. You don't... I mean, I know I mentioned a couple of guys who I was saying, yeah, they can be two-down run stuffers, but, you know, you don't make bag by being a two-down run stuffer, do you? You know, you've seen a couple of guys recently... Uh, Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, they made big, big bucks recently from being these do-it-all linebackers. Chris Harris is going to be one of those guys. You know, when you're watching football on a Saturday on BT Sport, because they put on Alabama every single week, watch out for number eight in the middle. He's going to be wrecking the game. Um, and like I say, you know, that what you mentioned before about his man coverage skills, running down the field with tight ends, things like that, and it just jumps off the page because you just don't see players doing that from a linebacker position. I get what you're saying about him being in zone, but do you know what? When it goes out to the flat or when the running back comes out with the ball in like a draw or something like that, his click and close ability, he shoots out of a cannon coming downhill and he, he's got such stopping power that, like you said before, the running back or whoever's carrying the ball, whoever's he's tackling, he just stops dead and goes backwards. And, you know, I would say the top three guys that I've got all have that ability, that it's not like stop dead, it's like stop and drive backwards and the ball can come out in those situations quite easily when you get gang tackled and things like that. This guy's going to be an absolute star. And to be fair, I loved his tape for someone who hates linebacker tape as much as me. I actually really enjoyed Chris and Harris. I just sent you a play um, of his on WhatsApp okay. that really jumped out at me. Let's, My let's God, it. the boom. The, the, the speed he has, like the click and close ability as a 240-pound man, damn near. It is ridiculous. Like, you're watching it now, and I know you're going to see it and be like, Wow. Yeah. Like his, his entire career at Alabama has been filled with plays like the one you're watching. He's mm. an absolute beast. He doesn't <laughs> care. He will run downhill, smack you in the face and keep going. Like you see that hit there on Schwartz and mm. he just scoops the ball up as well. Like, come on, man. So just, just for obviously this is completely between us. This is terrible podcasting, but Kieran sent me a, um, Christian Harris played against Auburn where he basically chases down uh, Anthony Swartz, who's probably like the fastest draft prospect last year. Mm-hmm. You know, literally Olympic speed from behind and forces a fumble. It's an absolute big time play and an absolute show of athleticism. Um, and it, and it, it, just it, shows that, it. it shows that as a linebacker, you don't need deep speed. That's what the secondary is for. Yeah, if yeah. you have that really elite explosive burst, we see, look, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, uh, and then even on to edge rushers like Nick uh, and Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa, I know a guy you're very familiar with being a Chargers fan, but mm. they're not necessarily fast guys, but their first few steps are so quick, it's impossible to outrun them because their acceleration is ridiculous. They might 
only let's put it in like Madden ratings. They might only have eighty speed, but they hit that eighty before anyone's even like halfway yeah warmed up. So that's another thing that you're gonna get from Saban. He just the God Alabama defense. I hate to say it because I'm an LSU fan, (laughs) but Alabama defensive players are so so well coached. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And this guy, like I say, I think he's a top 15 player in the draft next year already. It's only going to go up, you know. And I mean, linebackers aren't really drafted that highly, but I think someone is going to pour a reach and take, well, not reach, that's, that's a poorly, poor choice of phrase because I didn't mean it literally in reach. I just meant to go and take him. Is he better uh, than Micah Parsons though? That's the real question. Oh, that's a really good question because obviously I watched him when we were doing this last year when we did linebackers because um, we did it in a slightly different way last year. When we were allocated a player and we all spoke about that rather than watching a bunch of players and coming back with this sort of thing. So it's slightly different. But yeah, I love Michael Parsons' film, but I think it's a different sort of player. I would say Chris Harris is more of like an all-round linebacker, whereas, you know, Michael Parsons wasn't great in coverage in terms of the, you know, sort of levels, especially... Still not, he got coverage. burned by a fullback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For someone who's not seen the uh, Hard Knocks, yeah, he absolutely got done on a dual move by a fullback, didn't he? Um, you know, Which Mike was Parsons the most hilarious Yeah, thing it was, ever. yeah. Yeah, absolutely it was. Because, uh, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Michael Parsons as a person. So, yeah, absolutely. But, no, I mean, Chris Harris just has that coverage ability, especially man coverage, that athleticism, you know, makes these insane plays. I mean, Michael Parsons made insane plays. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who is a linebacker, run and chase kind of guy, and also Moonlight is an edge rusher. You know, we're, talk- we're not talking about the same sort of player. I probably enjoyed Christian Harris's films. He's probably a massive recency bias as well, though. But I probably enjoyed Christian Harris's film just a little bit more. And I definitely had a higher grade on him. Yeah, well, you, you're not a massive fan of linebacker film anyway. So I guess no. when you see a guy no. who's who's utilising that click and close ability and, and really making exciting plays on a consistent basis, it makes it a little bit easier for you to watch. It does. It definitely gets easier at the at the top end. But um, yeah, no one to look out for. Like I say, look out for number eight when you're watching the Crimson Tide because he's like I say going to be wrecking the game every single week, just like a lot of those guys in that defense because they're a great defense. But okay, let's let's wrap up, wrap up then with our over and underrated players because we've not kind of mentioned that throughout. Give us your well. I'll give you a choice. Give us one of them under or overrated player. I will. I don't want to say this guy's overrated, so I, I might get a little <laughs> bit of hate. So I'll, I'll give you a guy who I think is kind of underrated. Um, Ventrell Miller from Florida. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I like him. He's not my underrated player, but he's good. Yeah, and uh, the thing I like about him most, look, another guy who's 6'1", 230, but he's an absolute fucking brick wall. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, um, a game last year, I think it was against South Carolina, amazing stop on a third and one to, to to really swing the way that game was good. just yeah he's just look I like guys who are very good uh, with the fundamentals and he's that guy his tackling is second to none I think probably the best tackler in this class mm-hmm. if, if I if I'm being honest if we're just talking about technique uh, but I, I think he's not really being looked at because people are looking at Florida for sort of like the skill position players and quarterbacks and stuff. We see guys like Kadarius Tony getting drafted two rounds before they should have, or, or Kyle Trask getting pulled in to learn under Brady. So these are the names that people look at. And obviously Marco Wilson, the backup quarterback, absolutely fantastic throw of the shoe against LSU. So these guys are all making headlines of Ventrell Miller really isn't. So yeah, I just, I just like a guy who's willing to tackle and, and he's really good at tackling. He, he's, 
not great anywhere else. But if you want a guy who's going to come on and third downs and absolutely hit dudes in the mouth uh, uh, and stop those little runs to try and pick up a first down, he's the perfect player for you. I think mm. probably he projects as about a third round just because there's a lot of problems with him. But the coachability, again, is another thing. He gets better and better and better, which is one thing you know I'm big on is coachability because a lot of people didn't have Lamar Jackson as a, as a first round guy because of the arm problem. But one thing I said he would be an MVP for, which is, you know, people need to give me more props on that. Um, he is coachable. And, and you can see that's another thing in Ventrell Miller, that he's coachable, he listens, and he keeps getting better and better. But he is a red shirt senior, so he has no more time left. He has to be good this year to make it to the NFL. He'll definitely get drafted. I, I, I liked him as a player, you know, a, a decent amount. He's not even made my top five, obviously, but I can definitely see where you're coming from for sure. My underrated player, and I mean, I've gone through this whole episode pretty much apart from Nate Ote, apart from, you know, my sort of USC uh, mention that I've got there, even though he's not playing at USC. I've gone the whole episode without mentioning Pac-12, so I had to crowbar someone in there, didn't I? So I've gone for Arizona State's Merlin Robertson. This guy is another one who affects the game in multiple ways. Elite really, name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of magic in what he does. Um, can, affect the multiple, can affect the game multiple ways. He makes splash plays, you know, tackles for loss, picks, sacks. A great pick versus USC, actually, against Keaton Slovis uh, in 2020. Comfortable dropping into coverage. Looks to affect the routes of the receiver as well, where he can, you know, just by giving him a little bump or something like that. Really physical player, as I mentioned. Coming downhill, he's got the urgency in the run game. He knows where his help is as well, so he doesn't kind of try and do it all. He knows where to kind of shepherd back into the flow of, you know, his defense, things like that. So he plays with quite a bit of intelligence, really. And he can contain the run. Uh, quite a lot. He's got a nice tackle radius and tackle through contact as well. Massive, well, not massive, that's maybe overselling it a little bit, but his biggest um, downfall really is his change of direction skills. You know, he can run east to west, he's not just a north-south player, but he takes a little bit of time to turn around, you know. Um, so that's my, my main gripe with him, but, you know, Arizona State are going to be pretty decent. I think he's going to be one of the stars of the defence. I think he, again, wears number eight as well. So if you are wearing, uh, watching sorry, Arizona State at any point, yeah, Merlin Robertson, number eight, someone to look out for. I thought you were going to say Devin Lloyd for some reason out of Utah. You know what, I had a little look 12. about him. I had a little look at him. Um, and again, I didn't see a great deal of film on him, so I didn't really, he's, he's wasn't really able to good. grade him too much. But yeah, I did like him. He's just really good at the point of attack. That's what I like about him. He's a quick get-off guy. You're only going to want him for 30 snaps a game, but uh-huh. what, what he offers you um, as a blitzer is ridiculous. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I didn't see enough film of him to give him a full grade, so I, I couldn't put him in this, but I did like what I saw. Um, obviously, we'll get our hands on some 2021 film in a few weeks, and we'll start to watch from Utah because they're going to be a good team in the Pac-12 again. So, yeah, I'll definitely be, uh, yeah, like I say, keep my eye out for Devin Lloyd. Uh, a little bit being a Pac-12 guy, but I'm going to move on to my overrated guy. It's a guy that we've had around for a little bit. Again, gone Pac-12 for this one as well, so really crowbarring this in there. It's Nate Landman from the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, he seems to have been around forever. You know, he's a redshirt senior now. I think he opted out last year. Um, but again, he's getting loads of buzz again, but he's literally like a two-down run stuffer, and he seems to be like talked up a lot because we're kind of familiar with him. He's got the sporting genes. He's the son of a former rugby player and he played uh, rugby and baseball when he grew up in California. So he's kind of a, a kind of all around sports guy, three-star re- recruit. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's made a pretty decent career of himself on, you know, defense and also made um, some special team splash plays as well. While he's been playing for Colorado, he's definitely at the heartbeat and the leader of that defense, but 
like the limitations in coverage are for all to see. I, you know, he just cannot cover and he needs to come off the field in on third down at all times. And that's just going to put a massive season on your draft stock unless, you know, he really shows out this coming season. Um, his tackling technique, and I know you'll probably not like this if you if you have watched him or you do watch him, he's an ankle grabber, which might come uh, from his rugby background, uh, you know, when you're doing little tap tackles, but yeah, it's not for me. Um, I've not he, seen him, so I can't judge, but already he, when I hear ankle tackles, I'm yeah, like... Yeah, oh. for a linebacker as well, you know, um, and he, 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 he like overplays all the time, overpursues quite a bit. I don't mind him. You know, if you're picking him in like day three, being a bit of a special teams player, might be like a two-down run stuffer, play for you in a pinch. But he seems to be like talked up an awful lot from what I hear and what I read and things like that. I just don't see it. I've got like a fifth round grade on him and I just feel like he gets more buzz than that. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't seen uh-huh. almost anything of him, so I, I, I don't want to comment on him, but obviously I trust your opinion. So who's your, ankle who's tackle your... sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Who is your overrated linebacker and finishes off? Uh, Owen Papo out of Auburn. Like, I know earlier I said he's good, but people are focusing <laughs> too much. He, he's good, but he's overrated. People uh-huh. are talking about, oh, he's the... Just based off his athleticism, people are talking about how, how good he is. Like, he was the highest rated linebacker in the 2019 recruiting class, but... Meh. Besides explosiveness, he's done fuck all else. Like, he's great for stats, but I just don't... I don't think he's... Um, Bad eye discipline gets left in the backfield consistently when watching plays and stuff. And I just, I just don't think he's a good gap sealer either. So, yeah, phenomenal athlete, but not a, not a top level football that. player. And that's going to piss a lot of people off because I've seen people put him as high as like two and three on their lists or, or maybe even one. I just don't think he. Look, I'm not going to say X Factor, that's such a fucking corny thing to say. But I, <laughs> when I watch his tape, I'm not excited. Okay, yeah, that, and that's what you need, isn't it? You know, we've got our yeah. guys, as we say, and they're, they, you know, we kind of fall in love with them. You know, we had Raj, There's obviously. sometimes we grade players. And mm. Look, this happened with Elijah Molden. I had to watch so much extra tape on him to justify putting him as cornerback number two, which pissed so many people off. I love <laughs> that. Um, but there, the, out of all the stuff I saw that I liked, there was just some things that I couldn't explain that, like, he looks good. Uh, yeah. And this is a guy who just... Yeah, he's got measurables and he's an athlete, but just not excited by his play at all. All right, man. So there we are. There we have it. There's the linebacker scouting pod done. We can kind of, or I can at least, farm this out to you guys now. I've done my bit. Um, we'll be back, obviously, in a couple of weeks to do some defensive backs. We'll be talking corners and safeties. I think that's going to be me and you again, isn't it? We've got it down on the schedule. Talking about some some good positions that we'd like to watch. But before we do that, and before we get out of here, um, I know you, you kind of mentioned something to me just before you got on. Tell us, tell the listeners kind of what you're going to be doing kind of regularly throughout the season for us at Fulton Yards. Okay, so roughly 7 a.m. Monday morning, every day this season. This is for you British commuters out there. I am going to have a wrap-up of the Sunday games. Um, if, it's a, if it's a bad game, if it's Lions-Jets and it fucking sucks, I'll go over it, but I won't spend much time on it. But if it's then an interesting game where we've seen Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, to uh, any of these exciting players who people are looking to have a great second season, these are the guys we're going to be talking about the most. So that's going to be out roughly 7 a.m. UK time. So if you're one of our listeners who commutes, and I know a lot of you guys listen to this podcast on a commute, now people are getting back to work. 
this is the podcast to be listened to. We're going to be the first in the world to have these game wrap-ups in the, well, first in the UK to have these game wrap-ups. I say world, you know, I'm I'm Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. Um, yeah, we're just going to have these games for you early, early, early in the morning. So you can listen to it. If you, if you want to, hey, I didn't see much, let me hit on the full 10 yards podcast and listen to what happened in the games last night. And that's going to be, this will be perfect every Monday morning for what 18 weeks now we got of this season and that's going to be under the Kieran's corner banner isn't it on, on the podcast stream mm-hmm. yeah so exciting yeah. little project you know you don't have to look at my face anymore because we're just going to be doing it getting the audio in <laughs> you don't have to see me in an LSU hat you just get to hear my lovely voice there we are so yeah like you say it's a really exciting project that we've got going on Kieran obviously being US based we're going to utilize that and like you say we're going to be out there giving you the reviews of the Sunday action in the NFL before anyone else coming from this man. Obviously been holding down Kieran's corner for quite a while now with his uh, energetic and unique style. And he'll be doing that every Sunday or Monday morning for you guys. So yeah, really excited to hear that. And I'll be, I'll be kind of using that on my, well, I don't have a commute. My commute's downstairs, but um, <laughs> I'll definitely listen on a Monday morning. Anyway, let's get out of here, but let's um, you know give out some handles before we do that. Tell us where we can find you if they don't know already. At the Himbo F10Y, you can catch me arguing foreign policy or talking crap on Steelers fans, much to Freddie's displeasure. So uh, if you come over there, we can talk about football. There we go then. And my my um, Twitter handle is Wakefield90. And yeah, we're going to be ramping it up with, with plenty of sports action now that the autumn's rolling around again. Your know, summer's finished, uh, NFL, Premier League and uh, college football, obviously, more so than others. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. This has been the full time scouting pod we've been talking linebackers this week and we're going to be talking corners and safeties with myself and Kieran in a couple of weeks but the guys I think Raj is he's stuffing in a couple of them he's got a few offensive um, offensive positions to go through so keep your eyes and ears peeled for those but we'll be back giving you some more conference previews and scouting podcast next week we'll see you then thank you so much for tuning in to the full 10 yards thank you for tuning into the full 10 yards college football podcast We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.